You're listening to Nathan Shansky, and this is the Passion with Purpose podcast. So, first off, remember when I said that I am not a gearhead and photography gear is just like not my favorite thing to go on and on about? Well, guess what? So, on today's episode, I chat with Josh Rexford. He's been my go-to in the past six months for gear and tech setup. We talk all about his expertise on photography gear for beginners and advanced photographers. And trust me, he knows a heck of a lot more than I do in this space. (laughs) And we also discuss his unique approach to being both a photographer and videographer at the same time. Yes, you heard that correctly. He does both at the same time. So if you don't know Josh yet, you are about to. Josh is a destination filmmaker and photographer from actually my same hometown in West Michigan. He focuses on creating non-traditional documentary-style wedding films alongside candid relational imagery. Josh recently launched a, a YouTube channel where he shares all things camera gear, editing tips and tricks, and creative inspiration, and he is so excited to be announcing some of his first digital products and educational resources this summer. So outside work hours, Josh loves spending time with his wife, Kendall, and their one-year-old son, Everett, traveling the world and being inspired by God's stunning creation, making pour-over coffee and espresso, and sitting outside with a good book. So you're going to absolutely love this conversation, so I'm just going to plug you right into this episode. Are you an aspiring creative entrepreneur or established small business owner with a fuel to pursue the things that light you up like nothing else? If so, you are in the right place, my friend. My name is Nathan Shansky, and I'm a photographer and photography business educator. On this podcast, I'm here to drop nothing less than weekly truckloads of business and marketing tips, mindset shifts, and transformative wisdom from my life and career to bring you into the highest potential self that God created you to be. I will see you right here each week and let's commit to learning, growing, and achieving our goals together one bold step at a time. All right, Josh. I got Josh Rexford here on the podcast today. By the way, is that how you is that how you pronounce your last name, Rexford? That is correct, yeah. Okay, Josh. Give us a little welcome to yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and kind of your background in maybe photography and just like how many years, how you got to where you are today. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm Josh. I'm a West Michigan based uh, filmmaker and photographer is what I'm calling myself right now. I do a lot of video work, but I also do stills. And it's funny, I, I got into photos. My mom bought me a little point and shoot film camera when I was nine. Like literally one of those ones that like the flash pops up and fires every time you shoot it and was just immediately mesmerized by taking pictures. And I remember I went to Europe, which is a whole story, but went to Europe with my dad and I brought two rolls of film, which is like at that point, 48 pictures. Cause I was like, who could need more than 48 pictures in Europe? That's right. so many photos. Uh, <laughs> but that's how I got started. And then literally every year until college, I would just sell my camera on eBay and uh, get a new one, and then showed up at college and had a DSLR. And at that point, people didn't have those. And so I was immediately the professional. And uh, people were like, oh, can you take pictures of this? And so just completely organically, I found myself shooting photos of people in the dorms and around campus and 
didn't major in photography, didn't mean to do that at all. I honestly thought I was going to be, for a while, I thought I was going to be a fighter pilot, and then I was going to be a doctor like wow. my dad. And then uh, I was like, I'm going to go into business or be a musician or something. So I was all over the place. And then, yeah, I finished college and started my business and really haven't looked back since. But uh, yes, yeah, that's, that's the business front. But then on the on the personal side, uh, I married my amazing wife, Kendall, uh, just over three and a half years now, October of 2019, right before COVID hit. Uh, so we were we were uh, enjoyed lockdown together and just got to uh, figure out what it looks like to be a married couple uh, when you can't hang out with anybody else for months and months. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we had our uh, first child, Everett, just over a year ago now in April of uh, last year. And yes, I've been doing the dad thing and trying to figure out how to run a business while also being a, a husband and a father and all that too. And yeah, but it's great, man. That's so cool. Yeah, I love that you do all of that. Good grief. And also that you're a dad. Like, that's just... So you just have one kid so far? Yeah, just one. Okay, it's gotcha. Just one. <laughs> nice. You're not, like, thrown into the deep end with, like, triplets or something? <laughs> no, not... My wife was uh, like, oh, yeah, I kind of want twins. I was like, hey, can we not pray for twins right off yeah, the Yeah, like, let's not do that one. My wife says the exact same thing. And I'm like, please, no. I do not. <laughs> I mean, whatever. Whatever happens is good. Um, but that's so cool, dude. So you do, just to clarify, you do both photo and video. Correct. Yeah. Do you so, do them simultaneously or do I you do. do them? Wow. Okay. Yeah. Before we go into anything else, I got to know a little bit about that. <laughs> yeah. So I started, I started just to clarify, I started in photos. Uh, like mm-hmm. I launched my business officially. Technically, I launched my business in 2014 uh, doing just photos. And then in like 2018 or so, I was just like, hey, how, basically, how hard could it be to mm-hmm. start shooting some video too? Uh, just kind of like challenging myself. And, um, Started just kind of shooting some highlight clips alongside photos and just switching back and forth and kind of going back and forth and started doing some videos. And then 2019, like actually launched. That's when I actually went full time because uh, I got married at the end of 2019, quit the job. I was working uh, at a large church in West Michigan uh, doing all their, I was like their creative director and audio producer and social mm-hmm. media and website and all that. And that was just too many things to do while running a business and to be successfully married. And so quit that, went full-time, and kind of at the same time started launching the video c- component of the business. And yeah, I literally do both at the same time. And uh, I have a whole YouTube video about like the technical aspects of how I actually do that. But it's uh, basically a combination between shooting stills and then switching over and shooting video. And then people always go like, well, what about like a first kiss or a first dance or like an, a moment where you need to have it for both? Mm-hmm. And I shoot basically just think GIFs, like stop motion animation. Um, and so I intentionally shoot with cameras that have a really, really fast like buffer and they have a really fast like frames per second shooting for stills. And so literally we'll just like hold the shutter button down and oh. shoot 90 to like 100 photos, uh, turn those into basically a GIF animation. You can use any one of those photos as like a raw photo to deliver to the client for a gallery. But then you can also take all of those and turn those into basically a four second like movie clip to use in the video. Um, wow. and so it's just a process of going back and forth between the two of them. Um, and it's been it's been really fun. And honestly, that's the the video component has really allowed me, I think, to just express my style of like creativity in the work that I do. Mm-hmm. And because I'm very, very like narrative and relational based in how I interact with people. And so that way I'm not having to work with another videographer or a photographer on most occasions. Not that I mind doing that, um, but it's just a really like intimate approach to be able to do both at the same time. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's been it's been really fun and a kind of a unique niche to find myself in because not a lot of people do both at the same time. Just as one yeah. person, I don't use second shooters. It's just me uh, and a camera. So that's yeah. so crazy. Do you so you do sometimes book second shooters? Not often. I'd say okay. in the last two years, I've hired two. I think. Oh, okay. Um, so I, it's I really not jobs. a big. Yeah. It's not a big part of like your <laughs> no. model there. No, so, so like for like for an example, in 2021, I did I think it was 23 like photo weddings, weddings that included photo. Mm-hmm. 21 of those also included video, and mm-hmm. I think I had a second shooter for one. Wow. Um, so yeah, it's it's mostly just me. <laughs> well, can I ask from like a personal perspective? Do you think that anybody could do that? Are you like are you of the mindset of like oh yeah, any could anybody could do what I do? With like the right training and like whatever, or you like actually kind of takes a specific type of person to do both. No, I think I think anyone can do it, and that's why I literally I I got so many questions about like the technical, like how do you actually do this, like on the camera, mm-hmm. um, that I made a whole video showcasing it, and people were like, oh, that's that's how you Doable. do it. Okay, cool, I could do that. Um, I actually had someone reach out to me on Instagram, and they were like, hey, I've been thinking about doing this for a long time, and then. Like I was talking to you about it, and I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna start doing some video too. Wow. Uh, I have a wedding come up, and I booked both, and I was like, ah, oh, dude, that's awesome. Um, but literally, I mean, literally, it's just a mindset shift because when you're shooting photos, it's all about the still shot that you're capturing. Even if there's, you know, like you know, you're doing some motion blur or you're capturing people moving, all right. you're focusing on is what still image am I capturing of that movement, of that motion, yeah. of that pose, whatever you want to call it. Um, with video, you have to have motion of some sort. Or it looks like a, a photo, mm. um, and so it's you have to train yourself to just think in movement, think in scenes, uh, and like oftentimes video is done in sequences where you shoot mm-hmm. like we're going to shoot a close shot of this and then a little bit wide stepped back shot of that and then an mm. ultra wide and then we're going to punch in, um, and so just kind of train yourself to think that way, and then technically figuring out how to use the camera to do that. But it is cool because I feel like that takes a lot of the guesswork out of if you want to call it posing. Uh, mm-hmm. Like when you when you're working with a couple, you know what you have to capture next because you're shooting photo and you're shooting video, and so it allows mm-hmm. you to really direct. And then it's funny because so many people, when they know you're shooting video, are a lot more open to just kind of doing whatever because you're like, it's for the video. And they're like, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, it's I need some movement. Can them. you do some crazy TikTok <laughs> dance for me? And they're like, oh, sick. Okay, cool. Uh, which is That's like, it's, it's a fun way to kind of be like, hey, this is for the video. So can you do that? And I feel like it just has opened up a lot of like tor- torn down some walls and opened some doors for people to just go, hey, let's just have fun with it because it's for the video. Uh, and it makes the stills turn out way better too. So. And I also feel like in a lot of senses that it makes the process more intimate for the client because I have noticed sometimes where, you know, you got this, you, you got two photographers and maybe you got two videographers and maybe you got like a planner or like a family member standing by trying to coordinate stuff. And it feels like it's this massive uh, music video production happening for this client. And I feel like when these super intimate moments are happening, it can be a little bit overwhelming for them. I sometimes I'm just like, let's just give them a little space. So I feel like if it's just one person doing it all, it's probably so much more intimate feeling for the actual client. Yeah, you're you're literally like reciting my marketing material. Uh, that's 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 <laughs> like, a lot that's of how sell. I market. Um, yeah, but really, that's 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 a lot of the sell to people is going. 
you know, it's for and a lot of my couples are couples who are like, we really value relationships and time with people. Mm. And we're here because of our love. And we're here because of the people who are surrounding us. We want to focus on that and not feel like we're surrounded by a, like the bachelor camera crew. This mm. is like following us everywhere and documenting everything. And we want to be able to experience and be in the moment. And um, that's a lot of how I lean into explaining my process to people is go like, that's, that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. And there's a lot more that goes into it than that. Um, but if I can create an experience where they can just fully be immersed in the experience of their day themselves, and then I'm just there to capture that um, and not be in the way and and not be as intrusive as it would be to have three or four cameras all happening at the same time, mm. um, then I think it's a, it's a really big win for those Absolutely. kind of couples. And some, some people want the whole production, and that's great. Sure. Uh, there's people who do that amazingly well. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the the niche that I found myself in. Yeah, I love that. So, Josh, of course, you are clearly a man of many gifts and uh, areas of expertise. But something that I have found that you know quite a bit more about than me, or I, I think like the average photographer, is a lot of the gear and a lot of the technicalities and the actual tools that we use to run our businesses from like a creative perspective. Um, so I would love like even, even asking you, like I've asked you so many questions before and like, Hey, what like laptop should I get? Or like what uh, specs in the laptop should I get? Or um, what kind of camera do you think? Why this one, why that one, or maybe even lenses or something like that. Um, and so I would love to know a little bit about like, is this a topic you like talking about first of all? <laughs> and like, if so, why do you think there's importance behind it? Mm. Yeah, so it's funny. Uh, I think I was telling you before we started the recording here, I feel like I've been, I never really thought of myself as like a tech person. I never thought of myself as this like, oh, tech specs, Josh, you know, guy. Um, right. But I've been getting so many questions and I was just thinking about like why that was. And I think a lot of that is because, because I do photo and video, I had mm. to, learn like the intricacies of the gear because not every camera will be able to function for photo and video and do it and actually keep it up. And I had cameras that were literally like I would happen to pull the battery out of the camera in the middle of a wedding with the screen still on because the camera froze because I was putting way too much data into the memory cards and it could not handle it. And the whole camera locked up and I literally was like pulling the batteries out to just force quit the camera effectively, which is not a good, like if you're a photographer on a job and you're yanking batteries out of your camera because it's not working, you probably need a different camera. So, uh, (laughs) and so I think that's, this kind of just forced me to dive into like, Hey, what specs do I actually need in a camera? Like, what are the reasons that these cameras lock up and what are the reasons that, you know, I'm not able to focus the way that I want to, or Mm -hmm. the images aren't looking the way that I want to. And so just like, spending the time to learn the gear. Um, and one of the things I've told people is I've had questions from people going like, Hey, what would you, what criteria would you use to describe a professional photographer? Like mm. what would make you a professional? Is it a certain income bracket? Is it like you've booked this many clients or you've done these many jobs or you have this many photos in your portfolio or whatever. And my answer is always like, it's not really any of that. It's, it's, do you know your gear well enough that you can operate it and like focus on your client without having to think about the gear. And mm. if you can know your gear well enough to be able to serve your client on the shoot and not have to think, oh, shoot, what shutter speed should I be at? Or like, well, my camera, like, how do I focus on this? Or what lens should I be? And just be able to do that instinctively. Uh, like that's when you like, when you think of a doctor, like doing surgery or something, 
Like they know mm-hmm. their tools and they know their craft inside and out and they can just focus on the operation at hand. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's kind of been my criteria. And so I think I've learned to enjoy to talk about tech stuff because I think it really helps people become like professionals and be able to handle themselves professionally on a shoot if they really understand and, and know their gear. Yeah, it empowers people to do what they can see creatively because I think sometimes yes. we creatives can be like, oh, I don't, I don't need the tech stuff. I don't need the gear. And it's like, well, if you don't know how to do the gear, then you can't do the creative stuff because mm-hmm. it gets you from point A to point B. And if you don't know how to get there, well, you don't actually get to do the creative stuff. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's, that's so awesome. So let's, I, I kind of want to start because there's so many different directions we can go with it. And I would love to start with those who are early on in business. And the reason I say early on in business is because, you know, obviously there's like, there's the, there's the side of things where I could say like, okay, those who are picking up a camera for the first time, but I I don't want to actually go that far back. I want to say like, for those who are really intentional about starting a business, a photography business, they want to make money off this. They want this to support their life. They want to build a career off of this. What do you think someone would need to start and maintain a great photography business gear-wise? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's funny because, I mean, I could go super, super like tech nerdy and be like, well, technically you don't need anything other than your smartphone because you could, there's people who run full businesses just on their phone. And I think honestly, that's a great mentality to start is that it, the gear that you have does not determine whether or not you're a good photographer, does not determine whether or not you're a good business person. Uh, the gear that you have is just tools and resources that you use to do mm. those things. And uh, so, you know, there's there's the age-old debate of, you know, should I buy a full-frame camera or a crop-frame camera? Does it matter? What's the difference? And honestly, I think, you know, 10, 15 years ago, it really did matter. And full-frame cameras were really that much better. But in this day and age, get a camera. <laughs> just buy a, buy a camera. And honestly, my my only, like, stipulation would be, like, get a camera that you can change the lenses. Get a mm. camera that you're not locked into one specific lens, yep. where you can swap the different focal lengths and you can put on different, you know, gl- you know, different lenses with different apertures, and be- because basically that means you have a camera that can grow with you and your business. And sure. you, you know, you might start with a 2470 2.8 zoom lens, which is a great kind of starter lens to just put on your camera and have something that can kind of do anything. Yeah. And there's still people today who use that lens and do that's all they use. And start, you know, if you started there, then you could be like, hey, I want a 35 millimeter 1.4 or a 50 mm-hmm. millimeter. I want to go, you know, super telephoto and get a 135 or a 200, like all these different lenses. But having a camera that you can swap those lenses uh, is super, super critical. And I don't even think the brand of camera really matters mm-hmm. because the, and honestly, I would say rent some stuff if you're, if you're wondering if you don't have any stuff. But if you already have a camera, maybe start there and just buy lenses for that camera that you have because Olympus, Sony, Canon, Nikon, like they're all fantastic. And, you know, there's, there's pros and cons to each one, but there's not going to make you like a world's better photographer because you shoot Sony versus you shoot Canon versus you shoot whoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, there'll be a little bit of differences that you'll see, but, you know, get a, get a camera that you can swap the lenses and then invest in good lenses. Um, Cause I think that's, that's a huge thing. Um, just to, to have lenses that are quality because those really will make a difference on your photos. Yeah. Uh, the cameras and the camera sensors, not quite as much, but having a really, really good lens, that makes a massive difference in in your images and the quality and how sharp they are and and all that. So I think that's where I'd start. And I'm going to honestly get a good camera bag so when you're <laughs> lugging your stuff around, you're not <laughs> smashing this expensive equipment 
<laughs> throwing it in your trunk in just like a Meyer bag or something. Get a, get a, get a good camera bag and invest in that. Um, but really just like get a camera, the lens can come off and get a good lens. I th- and honestly, I think that 2470 2.8 lens is every camera manufacturer makes those. Uh, start there. That's a great place to start. And if you want to get a cool prime, get like a 50 millimeter 1.4 or whatever lens. Those are really nice lenses for getting some good like creamy depth of field, bokeh backgrounds and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, start there and then kind of expand as you go. If if I were to ask you like the million dollar question that I don't even know if it has a perfect answer, but I'd be interested to hear what you say. Would you say put your money into your camera body or your lens or lenses? Lens. Lenses, lens. 100% lenses. All right, there you have it, folks. Answer yeah. <laughs> to the the big question that I hear all the time. That's how I'm gonna, that's how I'm gonna answer people now and be like, put <laughs> put the money into the lens. But um, think of I it. Would, think I of would it, man, fully like, agree, though. Yeah. Have you like just? I mean, for anyone listening to like, if you've ever looked at any camera manufacturer from the last 20, 30 years, like they're still selling lenses that they made thirty years ago, hmm. but the camera bodies are completely outdated. Um, so and true. like. I was in the camera shop the other day and some guy was, you know, I was just overhearing somebody uh, talk to one of the guys. And he's like, oh, yeah, I had this Canon, blah, 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 whatever. And I was like, it's just like, well, it's just not focusing right and whatever. He's like, yeah, that camera is like 10, 15 years old. Like, it's not going to, like the new the new cameras are going to do way, way, way better at like what you're trying to do than the camera that you currently have. Hmm. But like the lenses, unless it's just like a crappy kit lens. Um, but like buy a, if you buy a nice prime lens or a really good zoom lens, that lens is going to last you for 30 years, 40 yeah. years if you want. Like it'll last for forever. And so investing in good, good lenses is 100% the way to yeah. go because camera bodies change all the time. Absolutely. Okay, so let's shift gears a little bit to maybe someone who's more advanced in their photography business. Someone who hopefully by this point would maybe have a budget for a little bit of a more robust system, what would you say? And you can either go two directions with this. You can be like, hey, this is what I would say you need. Or you could say this is how to think about what you need and like maybe how to decipher like what would work best for you. But from a perspective of someone who's a couple years in, has their uh, you know foot in the ground a little bit more in their business, how would you recommend they go about uh, accumulating gear to what they need to run a well-established business. Mm, yeah. So I think that one of the biggest things is just having backups for the gear that you do have. Mm. So I think that's that's the first thing, like right off the bat, is even if you have, if you bought a, you know, a Canon 80D, then that was, you know, a six-year-old, you know, you've had that for forever and you have a 50 millimeter lens that you use and you're like, hey, how do I want to build in a cell? I want to start shooting weddings. Get another, get a backup for that camera. Whether that's mm-hmm. a new body and then the one you already had as your backup. Um, just make sure that if your gear dies, if you're if you're professional on a shoot and your gear dies and you don't have something to replace it, you're shooting with your iPhone. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's like that's that's where you land, and you don't want to be in that position when you're with a paying client. Uh, no. When you're first starting, like maybe you can get away with just having a camera and a lens. Uh, you're shooting some friends and, you know, very, very low budget kind of stuff as you're building a business. Once you start, you know, once you're shooting with higher paying customers, whether that's, you know, brands or weddings or whatever you're doing, make sure you have backups. And then I think you kind of hit the nail on the head with how do you think about the gear that you need to buy? Because everybody's different. Like if you have wedding photographers, you're going to be shooting with a different set of lenses and lighting equipment than someone who's shooting brands or models in a studio setting. Uh, If you're doing families and you're only in a studio, you're going to be investing in 
big strobe lights and soft boxes and backdrops and all that kind of stuff. If you're shooting weddings, you're going to be looking at like, what kind of lenses do I want for portraits? What kind of lenses do I want for group and for the dance floor? And I need some like off camera, you know, flashes and those kind of things. And maybe some cool little, you know, modifiers or stuff to put in front of the lenses to add some fun, you know, funky elements to your photography. Um, but that's, I think that's, that's the thing is, you know, make sure you have backups for whatever you have. And then just think about the the type of work that you're doing and buy the stuff that would help you do that work better. And I think the one, I mentioned this earlier, but renting gear is such a huge, huge thing that people don't do. Mm. Um, so many people are like, oh yeah, I've never rented gear. It feels weird to rent gear. You can rent a camera for a couple hundred bucks for a week, 10 days and put it through its paces and see what you think about it. Rent a lens, rent some flashes. You can rent anything you want. Um, any piece of gear that you would like have batteries that you can rent, um, which is so funny. It's like, oh yeah, rent a battery and a memory card. And like, you could buy a whole kit just through a rental thing, spend a few hundred <laughs> bucks and like rent a whole piece of, you know, equipment for your, for your job. And then use that and see what you think. See if it makes you like, makes your workflow better mm-hmm. um, as a, as a photographer. And I think that's, that's the big thing at the end of the day. Does this make your workflow, does this make your process better as a photographer? Is this lens going to make you be able to engage with your clients better? Is it going to help you, you know, enact the creative vision that you have better? You know, a piece of a piece of equipment is not going to make or break you as a photographer, but it will make your life easier. Mm-hmm. And so I think investing in those kind of things are really where it comes down to as you're trying to build a sustainable business long term and then have backups. Have I said that enough? Have backups. Oh, dude, I am <laughs> right there with you. Like, the thought of just like, I, I feel like being in any sort of situation, I mean, it, it could be a wedding, you know, but even if it's like you go to a shoot and it's like you drove two hours, they drove whoever, however many hours and like you, something goes bad on you, it's just not a place you want to be in to have mm-hmm. that happen. And so if you can back up your, you have, even if you don't use it all that much, just having some sort of backup so that you are covered in those types of situations um, as game changer, just for your mental health, honestly. And then yeah, no I think, I think also just like when you talk about, you know, buying for what's right for you and buying so that it makes your job easier. Cause I know for me, there've been times where it's like, you know, to be honest with you, like, I don't know if a lot of the weddings I shoot need, for example, like a 70 to 200 lens. Whereas like, I feel like it would be much more, uh, it'd, it'd be much better for me to have like maybe a 115 or something like that. Like something that mm-hmm. has more of a low F stop, like low light capability. And, you know, I never, I, I, I don't really need like the 200, you know? Um, and so I think it's really good to understand that even though there are some industry standards, maybe that people have mm-hmm. and, uh, some industry wide favorites, it doesn't mean that that necessarily has to be something you go for or something that you feel like pressured into needing just because everybody else has it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, that is funny because I was in that kind of a position a couple of years ago when I started traveling a lot for work mm-hmm. and I had like, I had basically by that point, I had accumulated all of the industry standard stuff. So I had huh. a 1635, 70 to 24, uh, sorry, 24 to 70, 70 to 200, and then like a 35, a 24, a 50, an 85, a 100 <laughs> macro. Like I had a whole kit of lenses. And, you know, for a long time I was traveling locally and I would just throw all those into a big like roller think tank suitcase and I'd bring all the lenses with me. And then I started going through like the metadata in Lightroom to see like which lenses I actually used. And I was oh, like, oh, man. I'm shooting like 97% of all the photos I shoot. I shoot on these two or three lenses. Yeah. 
And then I break out like the, the 7200, which is a, just a massive lens. Um, I break that out for like six shots. And I'm like, is it worth me carrying this, you know, four pound lens in my bag and breaking my shoulder for the whole day just to get four shots? Or should I just move my freaking feet yeah. forward a little bit, shoot on the 85 or on the 100? And I just, and then when I started traveling, I had to trim it down because I just couldn't bring that much stuff on a plane. Uh-huh. And uh, so I think, I think that's a, a very, uh, that's a very real thing. Like don't, don't buy this stuff just because other people are, but at the same time, like some of those convenience lenses, if you're doing a lot of travel work, you might want to get some zoom lenses totally, because um, that might be way easier than carrying a bunch of primes or whatever. So, yeah. but I think limitation is also really key and forcing yourself to be creative with what you have. Hmm. Like, could you shoot an entire wedding on a 50 millimeter? Yeah, you totally could. Um, and honestly, it'd be kind of fun to try it, although I would, don't know who would let me do that. But um, <laughs> you could totally do it. You'd have to move your feet a lot. And you have to be, you'd have to get really creative about how you yeah. do it, but you could totally do it. Um, and so I think just embracing those limitations and going, hey, I don't need to bring all the stuff with me, but the stuff I bring with me, I want to be intentional about. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, photographer, real quick. So if you're struggling to book clients right now, or maybe you're struggling to keep clients happy when they do book you. One important thing you may be missing is the use of client guides. So let me explain. For my photography business, when someone inquires, I'm immediately putting my best foot forward by sending them a luxury-designed pricing guide that fully communicates my value and proves I'm worth my prices. It's a digital multi-page PDF guide that goes above and beyond to explain what I'm about, what my packages include, and why my clients should book me. I also have a similar guide for after they book, where I can deliver all my knowledge, expertise, and recommendations in preparation of their wedding, and this is called the wedding guide. If making guides for your own business like this overwhelms you, look no further, I got you. I now offer both of my client guides, both the pricing and wedding guides, in template form for you to customize and tailor for your own photography brand. The wedding guide is actually even completely pre-written for you. So if you're ready to make it easy on yourself to up-level that client experience and deliver the value both before and after your client's book, head to the link in my show notes titled The Client Guide Templates to get your hands on them for yourself. All right, back to the show. So really, we don't have to dwell on this question too much, but do you have any thoughts, any personal opinions about like the main photography brands out there and if you think one is maybe best for a certain type of person or a certain whether it's like photographer versus videographer what do you think are what's your take on the main photography brands out there or excuse me camera brands out there (laughs) yeah i don't know i said this earlier i think they're all they're all fantastic and they they're all gonna do amazing job at whatever you're trying to do um, there's some camera ba- brands that are just not maybe as good at video or something, but I feel like Canon and Sony are still the kings in terms of the big brands that are out there. Sony definitely more so on the video front. There's definitely features that Sony has for video that Canon just doesn't offer, and I don't understand mm-hmm. why they don't offer, but it's literally things where like that shows up on the screen on Canon and you press record and it just goes away. And it's like, mm-hmm. how hard would it be to just literally leave that on the screen? Um, But for a videographer, that's a really annoying thing because you can't get some of those features. And so if you're shooting video, I would definitely say look at Sony or Panasonic has some really good stuff too. Um, For stills, it's really like, they're so close. 
like I think Canon has been putting out a lot more mirrorless cameras lately that are competing with the likes of Sony and people like Canon colors a little bit better than Sony um, in general. But then Panasonic has some great stuff. I've shot with some Leica and they, they have beautiful colors and their autofocus is a little bit more limited, but uh, they're still great. But I, I think if you're if you don't know where you're going to go, you don't have a camera at all. Look at Canon and Sony. If you're doing photos, maybe I'd lean towards Canon. Like if you're just doing photos, uh, if you're doing video primarily, I'd lean towards Sony. But I mean, literally, I, I was at a retreat in Oregon last month and uh, it was a bunch of us shooting on Nikon, Canon and Sony. It was between the different people. There was mm. Nikon, Canon and Sony. And the photos that came out of the retreat are like, I there's I couldn't look at a photo and go, oh yeah, that's way better because that was shot on the you know Sony whatever or the Canon mm-hmm. this or whatever. Like they're they're all going to be great. You just got to learn your gear, learn how to use it, and mm. it'll do good for you. So I think yeah, Sony for video. Um, but other than that, I don't really I don't think there's a there's a massive difference. Maybe between specific cameras, uh, but not between brands. Josh, which one do you use? So I'm currently using Canon. Um, ah, the truth I'm using comes the, out. Yeah, I'm using the Canon R3, uh, which is, I'm using the Canon R3, which is their big, like, sports camera. Um, literally, okay. they released, like, these big ones uh, right before the Olympics come out. Uh, like, oh. the cameras come out right before the Olympics because they are designed for really high frame rate, high, like, thorough put in terms of data, video and photo, tons of content at the same time, which is exactly what I'm doing when I'm shooting photo and video. It's mm-hmm. kind of like I'm shooting sports. And so I need something that can go and then right into like 4K video recording mm-hmm. without filling up the buffer, without locking the camera down. Um, and so that's that's why I use the the, the R3. Um, and honestly, I think Sony has the Sony has the A1, which is pretty mm-hmm. comparable. Um, it's double the resolution in terms of photos as the one I use. But I don't think megapixels is a word that worth fighting. Um, mm-hmm. Not not. There's definitely something to be said about higher resolution can give you different results and stuff, but not not to that extent. Um, and not to the extent where I had to go like, oh, I need to sell everything I own and switch brands because there's a difference in resolution. And so it's been fantastic for me. Um, I'm diving into more video stuff and more like cinematic video stuff. And so I'm looking at, I actually have a Sony rented. It's on its way to me this week. Uh, so one of the Sony cinema cameras. Um, so I'm going to be testing that out making a YouTube video about kind of my thoughts on that versus the Canon that I'm using. But yeah, I, that's, that's what I use personally, but I've, I shot Nikon for years and loved that. And then shot Canon and have played with Sony's and I rented a Leica for a couple weeks and enjoyed that too. So yeah. yeah so you've had experience with a lot of them. I, I feel like I've only ever had experience in, a, in, in great extent to with Canon because mm-hmm. I don't know, I just started on Canon and I guess I never looked back. I will say though, when I had, when I was launching my presets and I had a bunch of people submit different photo styles, the ones that I would consistently go back to and just be like stunned by were actually Sony images. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why that was. I, I felt like their colors and like the clarity was just so bright and bold. Or I don't know, maybe it had to do with like the the way that the person shot with that camera or something like that. But it was I was I was very impressed with yeah. a Sony's camera quality and yeah I mean if I had to go to Sony I did think about it at one point when I was switching from DSLR 
to the R6 and the R5, I thought about going Sony because I was like, if I'm going to move, I better do it when I'm doing this switch. Yeah. But ultimately, I ended up staying sucked into the Canon. So, um, but yeah, I've heard, yeah, and, I've heard and such I, great yeah, things. I will say, I will say the, the Sony's overall tend to give like the raw images, like without any processing, look more bold and saturated than hmm. the Canons do. But they have a little bit consistently and again like sony has so many cameras canon has so many cameras and every camera is a little bit different mm-hmm. uh, but i think overall the sony like skin tones look a smidge different than the canon skin tones do and that's why mm-hmm. a lot of like wedding photographers tend to prefer canon just because mm-hmm. the skin tones look a little bit more natural like right out of the gate but i will say for like travel stuff a lot of the like influencers on instagram and tiktok and stuff shoot with sony's because that's where you're getting like just a naturally more vibrant, like colorful, bold image versus the Canons, which are a little bit, I don't want to say flat and muted, but like a little sure. bit more that way than the Canons are. Now, can you fix most of that in Lightroom and just like go change a few dials and and switch it up? Yes. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think um, the, the images that I edited from that retreat that were Sony's were like, oh, wow, these are definitely like more bold. And yeah. uh, like a little bit, not brighter in terms of exposure, but brighter in terms of like color vibrance. Which yep. can be great for certain things, but again, can be annoying if you're shooting other things. So, oh yeah, yeah. Totally. I've, had, I've had friends that shut uh, shut Sony, and they were like, "Yeah, I don't like it because it's way too much for what I'm trying to do. I wish I was shooting Canon." Uh, so it's it's interesting, but yeah, there's pros and cons. So for all of our for all the friends that are still on the DSLR train, because I feel like I have so many of those friends, and they're like, "I'm never getting rid of my DSLR," or maybe they are <laughs> thinking of getting rid of it. Uh, talk us a little bit through maybe the pros and cons of ditching DSLR, going mirrorless, full force, whether it's, you know, whatever system you're using, um, but being like, I'm going to go into mirrorless now and maybe talk to us a little bit about like how to switch, why to switch, anything you want to share in that regard. Yeah, yeah. So shameless plug. Um, I put out a video last week that was all about this on my YouTube channel. So if you're interested in that, yeah, we're stuff, gonna um, we're gonna link your YouTube in our show notes. So everybody hit hit up Josh's YouTube because it's gonna be like so much more visually pleasing yeah. and informational. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard on a podcast because like in the video, I literally like walked through some of the focus modes and like how they track eyes and like all that kind of stuff, showing like how that actually works. I don't know. I'm uh-huh. a I'm a visual learner in that way, and I like to see those things. And I got yeah. so many questions about well, I like my DSLR and like. But it's getting old. Do I need to? So it's like I'm just going to make a video all about that. But um, so if you want the deep tech stuff, d- dive into that. But I think the biggest thing is, and I I always go back to this analogy of like the music world and the shift from like CDs to MP3s or like online streaming. Mm. And like the end result was the same. Like a CD, you popped into a CD player or a Walkman or whatever you used to, to listen to your, your car, you know, stereo system, which my car doesn't even have a CD player anymore. But uh, however you did that, you popped your CD in and you went to the track you wanted to listen to and you could play the, you could play the song and music came out. And then now you can have Spotify in your phone and you pull up Spotify and you go to the song you want, you click it and music comes out and you listen to music. And like the end result's the same. But the process of getting there is totally different. Uh, and the process of like listening to music and oh, sorry, the process of finding music and browsing music and story music on Spotify is worlds better and worlds easier 
then carrying around a binder of 500 CDs and then having to like leaf through them, uh, you know, to find the album that you want and the song that you want. And now you can literally just be like, Siri, play me the song. And it does. And that's kind of the difference between like DSLRs and mirrorless. Like our mirrorless camera is going to take way better images and you're going to look at a photo and go, wow, that was shot on mirrorless. No, like it's not, it's not that kind of a shift. But what mirrorless does allow you to do is it brings a whole new evolution of technology into the camera world, where now your camera has so much more capability for focusing. It has better handling of low light. It has better like customization options. It's going to show you more information when you're shooting photos. And so there's, there's so much more at your fingertips as a creator to be able to use to then get to the point where you're going to click that shutter button and take a photo. And then you're going to get a photo mm-hmm. and you're going to edit it just like you did your DSLR. And I have people that ask, hey, are my colors going to change? Or like, is my editing going to change because it's mirrorless? Like, not because it's mirrorless, because it's a new camera. Yeah, like it'll look a little bit different. Like every sensor is a little bit different. And so you're going to have to get used to that. But just like you, if you ever shot on the 5D Mark III and then you moved to the 5D Mark IV, they had a different tonal shift. The 5D Mark Mm -hmm. IV looked a little bit different than the 5D Mark III. And there was a lot of (laughs) forums online and people were like, we don't like the colors. And then now people like it. And they're like, well, I have the 5D Mark IV and I'm going to switch to the R6 or whatever. I don't like the colors. It's like, yep, that's just, it's it's how it works with cameras and every camera is a little bit different. But I think that the major things are with mirrorless cameras, they they can be so much lighter and so much smaller. Um, So there's like less weight and there's less like, chunk of camera in your hand because it's pulling the mirror mechanism out and all those like moving parts. And then like the biggest thing is just the focusing on mirrorless cameras is ridiculous compared to what you could do on a DSLR. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's the major, the major thing. Um, But then there's, you're going to see improvements in low light performance and all those things as well. But uh, yeah, I think if you're if you're at the end of the of your DSLR era <laughs> and you're looking to get a looking to get a new camera 100% look at a mirrorless camera cuz it's it's just like i mean it's the new technology in cameras and mm-hmm. if you're going to go buy something don't buy something that's 10 years old mm-hmm. uh, unless you are specifically looking for that vibe but uh i think there's there's a lot of i don't know fear and uncertainty in the photography world about what is what is a mirrorless camera and is it how is it different? And like, just feels like a whole new thing. And like, no, it basically works exactly like your DSLR did, except for it can do everything your DSLR could do ten times better. Yeah. Um, and then you have to get to use. You have to get used to that electronic viewfinder, which is a little bit strange, um, but you get used to it pretty quick. And they're oh, it's a lot better than now. They're a lot better than they used to be. The old ones, like when Sony's first came out with like their full frame mirrorless cameras back in like 2013 or whatever it was, were definitely not what they are today. And the resolutions yeah. and refresh rates, like they look really, really good now. Um, but yeah. it's funny because people even like, oh, mirrorless camera. I'm like, have you used a phone? Have you ever taken photos with a phone? Because that's a mirrorless camera. Yeah. Um, and you know how like when you hold your phone up and like, your family's there and the camera can be like, hey, I'm focusing on all the faces. Mm-hmm. Um, that's exactly what your mirrorless camera can do. It can do that. It can track just like your phone can. But it's doing it in a camera that's way, way, way better than your iPhone is. Um, oh, so yeah. yeah you, you probably already know how to use a mirrorless camera. You just don't know it. I, I always tell people like, you don't have to switch or you know like you can still i'm sure do your job with a dslr but once you go mirrorless you won't go back like even if you because to me like i know when i first went mirrorless there was a time where i actually didn't like for instance i actually didn't prefer the r6 uh in terms of just color texture kind of everything um just in the way that the image looked Mm. But because functionally it was just like 
so incredible. Like there was no way I was going back to just what felt like a dinosaur, which was my <laughs> Mark IV. Like there's no way. Nope. Um, and so I actually ended up going with R5s, which I love the R5. And I don't know why, but it just reminds me, visually speaking, like the images just remind me a lot more of the Mark IV. I don't know, maybe it's all in my head. And I'm just like paying extra for it for no reason. But it genuinely just like, I love that camera. And yeah. I am so happy that I didn't go backwards back to DSLR just because it was like new. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So and I think that's, you have to see it to believe it. Yeah. Because I was, I was shooting a wedding in Oregon a couple years ago and I was demoing to, I was just doing video and I was demoing to the photographer how a mirrorless camera worked because she was still shooting on the 5D Mark IV uh, and Mark III. And I was like, is it, is it really all the hype? And I was like, hey, can you have your second shooter just run across the dance floor at me? Uh, she's like, yeah, can you just go run? And I just held the shutter button down and had it on servo focus and eye tracking, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I shot 60 photos as she ran across the dance floor and every single photo was focused on her eye. Nuts. And like we just scrolled back through it and she's like, okay, that's ridiculous. Because if you, how would you do that on your 5D Mark IV? You'd be like slamming your like finger into the shutter button trying yeah, to refocus. No way. Or like continuous focus and like trying to move the point and make sure it's exactly <laughs> on. It's like, it's it's a world of difference in terms of how they actually work. And once yeah. you've experienced it, it's like, wow, this is this is really, really crazy. Yeah, absolutely. I actually find that the only downside, which is both a pro and a con, is that when I did when I when I switched over to mirrorless, culling photos was like <laughs> kind of a nightmare because it's like I have the, there aren't that many bad ones. It's like, I mean, yes, there are in a sense because of the comparison between like a good one versus a bad one, but the bad ones aren't that bad anymore. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like so hard to call photos nowadays. I, You're not I, like, missing focus to. on 40% <laughs> of your shots or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's like, it used to be so easy just to be like, oh, well, that's out of focus. So like immediate trash. But now it's like, yep. wait, nothing's out of focus. It's just, I have to be more subjective about what I think is good and bad. Have you real quick, have you um, on your R5s, do you use like the mechanical shutter or do you use the electronic shutter or do you not know what the difference is between those two josh i don't even know what you're talking about okay. dude like so what? here this is <laughs> one more random like plug for one more plug for mirrorless cameras so because mirrorless cameras like your the sensor is what's always seeing the light so like okay. with the mirrorless camera the light would come in through the lens hit the mirror bounce up you know out through the out through the viewfinder and stuff and then when you uh -huh. click the button the whole mirror thing would have to pop out of the way the shutter would open and then like the light would hit the sensor okay with the mirrorless camera the light's always hitting the sensor because that's how you're literally like the sensor is sending it to the little screen in your eye. And so um, mirrorless cameras have what's called an electronic shutter. So it's not any moving pieces. It's basically the sensor just like reads the light and then goes and stop it right there for that certain log, whatever your shutter speed was. And so mm -hmm. rather than having any moving parts, your camera can literally be completely silent. And so if you if you go into your like in your R5 settings and switch from your mechanical shutter to your electronic shutter, then the camera literally makes no noise. Um, it's just like you'll hear you'll hear the shutter, like just the little tiny like the blades of the shutter going in the back. Like it's so so quiet, and the electronic shutter can shoot. I think it's over two times, if not three times, as fast as your mechanical shutter. So if your R five can shoot twelve photos a second on like full power, it can shoot like thirty an electronic shutter. And it's crazy because typically on your mechanical shutter, you're limited to like what shutter speeds you can shoot. 
So like you might be able to max out at like one eight thousandth of a second. On the electronic shutter, kid you not, you're like in the thirty thousandths of a second. Um, and so like if you're trying to do some really trippy stuff with light outside on a wedding day with a bright dress in direct sunlight, you can crank your shutter speed to levels that you could never do on a DSLR um, with wow. your, just by using the electronic shutter. And it's completely quiet. So if you're in a Catholic church doing a wedding and the priest is giving you the side eye, like, hey, can you stop clicking? You know, <laughs> just switch that over. And it's, it's, it's really, really cool. So there's some downsides to that, but it's, it's really, really powerful. There's no performance decrease. It's only increase. No, no, only increase. There's a little bit of, you could look into it. It's like there's some rolling shutter stuff that happens where like you can get some, a little bit of weird warping in the images if you're shooting like sideways back and forth panning. Um, but really it's almost negligible. And especially the newer cameras like R5 and R6 Part Two and all those, like you're you're not going to see a difference. Wow. Um, and if for some reason you did, you can just switch back to the mechanical shutter. Um, but it's it's pretty cool. I will say, I have what I have noticed is that whatever shutter I have going on my camera, it is very quiet. And that has been something that's been so nice because I just hated, you know, especially during weddings and events and speeches and things like that. It's like, it's just not fun being the guy who's like clicking, 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 clicking in the <laughs> background. It's like, I'm just trying to do my job. Um, but this one is so quiet. I will say what I do like is that it makes... Like there, I feel like there are certain times where I want it to make sound because I worry that my clients would be like, are you even taking photos? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yep. But I yep. feel like if you're in a Catholic ceremony, especially that would be 1000% a situation of like, can I just turn it off so that no one yes. even knows? <laughs> yep. And that's honestly, cause I usually use the mechanical shutter just cause I okay. like the sound. I like to feel the camera actually click. Um, because like with a, with a mirrorless camera, you're not even getting viewfinder blackout. So you're you're always seeing everything, and all the screen does is just like pulse a little bit to show that it's taking a photo. You hear nothing. You basically see no change. It's like, am I even taking this? And so oh, I usually yeah, I'm be- shooting on the on the mechanical shutter. But for those like Catholic masses, uh, like Catholic mass weddings, and any of those like quiet events where you just need to be totally under the radar, it's really really convenient. Wow. That's nuts. So on that note, are there any like underrated tips or features you could share with us that we are not using on our cameras right now? Obviously, I don't know how you can do this brand like across different brands or anything like that. But I know that just on your YouTube, I picked up certain things in my camera that I never knew it could do. So any mm. any tips you could give us? Yeah, I say the biggest thing is just customize your camera buttons. Like that's because every camera can do that. And one of the things that I do whenever I buy a new camera, which I think just goes into the whole line of Josh, you're a tech nerd, is I <laughs> I will literally go through every single menu that's in the camera and look at all the different like what options do this camera have. And just like rather than going and reading through the manual, I just like literally look through and see what what functions the camera actually offers. Because sometimes yeah. there's stuff on there that they're like, oh, I didn't know it did that. Oh, that's really cool. And one of the things that I've been doing in the last, you know, five or so years has been every time I get a new camera going through really from my 5D Mark IV and on and totally changing all the like the button mapping mm-hmm. to do some some cool things. And one of the things that you can do on Canon, at least, is you can actually it's called register shooting functions. I call mm-hmm. it my grandma moment button. Because um, if you've ever been outside like shooting details of the dress and like on a sunny day and your camera shutter is at like one four thousandth of a second and then you walk into like the the getting ready space and grandma's yes. having a moment with the flower girl and you're like, crap, I did. it's going to be a totally black photo. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've programmed this button. So when you press the button, 
it automatically does all this stuff with one button. It sets the shutter speed to 1 250th of a second, sets your aperture to f2.8, sets your ISO to auto, so it'll compensate for whatever, sets your white balance to auto, sets the focus focus point to like the middle zone, and continuous mode, and focuses all with one button. So I can literally walk into the room, press a button, click the shutter, and it'll be a correctly exposed, in-focus um, shot without having to change any camera settings. And so like little things like that that you can do. Uh, and then like there's some focus button changes that I do on all my Canons that allow me to switch between focus modes really, really fast. So I think that's that's the biggest thing is like figure out how to customize your buttons and mm-hmm. like look through those features because there's a lot of things that cameras can do, especially mirrorless cameras. But this was even 5D Mark IV days. So there's mm-hmm. there's some really cool stuff that those cameras can do. Um, without- just to clarify, what was that you said it, it basically what you're describing, what it sounds like is you're describing like a preset for your camera Effect, yeah, settings. Effectively. How, how do what's what's the how do we get there again? Or if if we have to Google this, yeah. How do, um, we, how do we do that? So again, I have a YouTube video about this, but uh so it's part of my like R6 customization. I show you the settings and stuff on how to do that. So uh-huh. that's that's there, but that's called register slash recall shooting function. Okay. And so if you go like on Canon at least, if you go into like your customized buttons menu, yeah, um, any one of the buttons on the camera, like the little asterisk button that you never use, mm-hmm. um, like those kind of buttons on the back of the camera, you can customize those. And if you select one of those buttons to be this register slash recall shooting function, is what it's called in Canon, um, you can literally program what shutter speed, what aperture, what ISO, what white balance, what focus point, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Do I want my camera to be? And then with one button. You can basically like use a, a preset for your camera. It's kind of like auto mode, but you've determined what settings it's going to be, mm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so I just use that. It saved so many photos because mm. I don't have to go in and take even five seconds if you know your camera really well yeah. to crank your shutter speed back, and then you end up at one twentieth of a second, and they're all blurry. Uh, yeah, you know. So it just it saves so many moments to like capture it really quickly. Even if the ISO is twenty thousand, I don't care as long as I get the moment. And yeah, then you, you can, can like work with the it. settings and get it back. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's it's my it's my grandma grandma mode. <laughs> I love it. Grandma's having I, I, a moment. For so. a minute, I was like, "Is that what it's a, the official name of it? Is like grandma moment yes. button?" <laughs> Canon, Canon, you should rename it to the grandma moment button. <laughs> well, what was really cool is I went to I was watching one of your YouTube videos recently, and just simply like I remember um, the the button. I, I, it was you were customizing certain buttons. And I found this like so helpful that I was like, I don't care what I'm doing. I'm dropping everything and I'm going to go <laughs> grab my camera and change this. And basically what I changed was the button where, and I don't actually know what this was because it's all muscle memory in my head. So I don't know what button I click, but basically it's to get the focus point specifically on a certain point. And so you ultimately have to like default click a certain button to get even to your little cursor moving around and then you can like move around the little cursor guy. But now I have it set based on your video where all I have to do is like move that little joystick and, and yes, the button, yes. the little point focus point goes wherever I want. It's been yep. a game changer in my shoots recently because it's like, I don't, it's, it's one less added step to a very time sensitive moment. And so now I just, I can just go and it's like, yeah, this was amazing. So even yeah, and something that's, as that's simple one as of the that. weird things. Yeah, it's one of the weird things with Canon. I don't know why it's like that, but like you always have to click the like little multifunction button, and then you can oh, move or so the focus no point one, button or so whatever. None of the other ones have that. You don't like they don't. You so don't, don't have to. Click I don't the two. know. 
I don't know about like Sony and Nikon and stuff. I feel like my Nikons, but those were all DSLRs. So I don't know. That was years, <laughs> years ago. But um, for sure on the Canons, that's one of the, that's the first thing I change because then you can just move your focus point anywhere you want. Yeah. And without having to like add extra steps to it. And yeah, glad that was helpful. No, so helpful. We're definitely going to have to link those down in the show notes for you. Okay, so Josh, I could talk to you forever about this, but <laughs> um, closing question for you. Uh, first of all, what's something you're super passionate about in your personal life right now? And then the same question, something you're super passionate about mm-hmm. in your professional life um, outside of that could be anything you want it to be. Okay, personal life first? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, okay. So I think personally, honestly, it goes back to like my wife and my kid. I think finding like figuring out routines and finding good work-life balance Mm. has been like the primary like focus of the last year, year and a half Mm. Uh, as we like got pregnant and then we're expecting a kid and then had a kid. And I knew like, I'm a type a, you know, independent kind of person that just like I dive into my work and I throw myself in there so hard. And like, I could just spend so much time researching and shooting and editing and just constantly doing things. And finding ways to set parameters on my life to have balance and to focus on the things that are really the priority hmm. has been has been huge and I've been really enjoying watching even my own like mental attitude towards all that stuff change hmm. uh, and seeing like myself lean into all right now I'm off the clock and I'm not going to be you know answering emails and doing stuff hmm. and then hey maybe yep. if I have free time I'll do some stuff or whatever but um that's been that's been a huge passion and honestly project in my own mind and heart because I can I can so easily just default to all right how do I get better at my business and learn and grow because I love that kind of stuff but yeah I love my wife and my kid way more mm-hmm. and at the end of the day that's that's way 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 more not even on the same playing field of a priority as my business is and so that's mm-hmm. been that's been a huge passion in the last like year and a half is love that just trying to develop those those boundaries and then professionally I, I hinted at this earlier but I'm in a I'm in the middle of a pretty big like brand revamp. Um, I really haven't done anything like this since I started the business like 10 years ago, whatever it was. Um, but a lot of that is I'm shifting away from a like photo focused business to a video focused business that offers photos. Mm. Um, and because the the style of videography that I do without going into all the details is, is a very kind of unique style of storytelling with couples and leaning into the like relational journey that people have been on. And so I've been trying to really heavily lean into that and build a whole brand around this idea of like narrative storytelling through video and then off like also offering like educational options for other videographers and photographers who are interested in that kind of style. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, been uh, been throwing a lot of time. Could you into give that, us like so. a tiny little preview about that approach to storytelling videography? Yeah. So the the very, very small piece of it is the the style of video that I do is I, I basically don't record audio on the wedding day. Um, I very intentionally create space before or sometimes after the wedding day to literally sit down with a couple and like, hey, let's crack open some drinks, get some food, sit down on the couch and take like an hour, hour and a half to just unpack the journey that you've been on as a couple and mm-hmm. really like dive into the story because so I think so often people think of weddings as the beginning mm-hmm. when they're not. And that's this, even like as a couple who's getting married, it's so easy to think of like all this anticipation for the wedding day. And you forget like, why, why are you having a wedding? Like you're having a wedding because you met someone and you fell in love and you found your person. You want to do your life with this person. And so what I try to do through like my videography approach 
is to really lean into that story mm. and go, let's let's share all that. Let's share the roller coaster that you've been on because every couple's been through stuff. And let's share the highs and share the lows and sh- share the stuff that you struggled through to get to the place where you are now because that's helped you grow stronger as a couple. Um, mm. And then that allows me to be really, really present and more importantly allows them to be really present on the wedding day. And so yeah. I can kind of have a very documentary approach. So it's like a multi-day shooting approach to video where then like oftentimes on that recording day, we'll also go out and go to some national park or whatever if we're on location somewhere cool and be like, hey, let's go film some awesome stuff in Joshua Tree National Park or whatever and then tie this into the film. So basically the films turn into basically a, a documentary of their journey as a couple rather than just a like glamorous highlight of the wedding day itself. And now we still mm-hmm. showcase all the stuff from the wedding day, but it turns into a, like a milestone marker for them to go, this is these chapters of our journey. This is a stake in the ground as we're getting married. Now that we're turning the chapter, but like, let's reflect and remember how we got here. And so that's a, that's a huge kind of shift in really trying to lean into that and push uh, like my packages and all that kind of stuff are changing to really, really focus on that. And then because I believe in it so strongly, I'm trying to just offer some resources to other videographers to go, Hey, how can I help you and like just kind of help train, not train is maybe the wrong word, but kind of just inform people of this approach to doing that and yeah. the benefits that it can have and how much it helps the couple. And it's funny because every couple I've done this with has been kind of unsure about it at first hmm. and then has walked away going, oh my gosh, like I got to sit down and totally reflect on the journey and I feel so much more prepared to get married now hmm. because I like was able to process and so it's almost yeah. like the psychology of a wedding day. <laughs> like you're diving into all this kind of stuff and helping them prepare mentally for the day um, and then allowing them to be really present on the day. So yeah, so cool. a, a pretty big shift. And I'm really, really excited about what that's gonna what that's gonna look like. Yeah, that's so awesome. I'm 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 just thinking about this and I'm like, I just wanna see like <laughs> one of these videos. If how can we how can we follow up with you, Josh? Where can we find you online? Where can we see more of your stuff, potentially learn from you even more in the future? Yeah, so uh, really, I'm just at Josh Rexford everywhere. <laughs> uh, so YouTube and Instagram are the big ones. Uh, just Josh Rexford on Instagram and on YouTube. Uh, YouTube is really geared more towards like photographers and videographers and like educational stuff, camera gear tips and stuff. And I have wedding films there too. Uh, and then Instagram is obviously photos and um, a little bit more wedding couple specific uh, for that kind of stuff. And then my website, which is currently live and will probably go down <laughs> in the next little bit, I'll be launching. I don't know when this this podcast is going to go live, but if you if you hear this podcast after like July 4th or so of 2023, the new website should be live and I'll have a bunch of new educational stuff up there and some um, packs and stuff for videographers and then some like interview guides and um, some freebies as well. So yeah, that's that's where you can find me. Sweet, dude. I love it. All right, man. Well, thank you so much for coming out and talking about all this today. I Thanks so much no, for having me. It's been great. Man. Yeah, I'm no expert in a lot of these types of things. And I also just love having the perspective of people who are kind of on maybe the other side of the industry, also in the video space as well. And I find that just having like both sides, you, I mean, you literally straddle both photo and video. So it's just such an awesome perspective shift to see. But thank you so much for coming out today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, anytime, man. It's been great. Thank you so much. <laughs>